Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Harini. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write reviews. It really helps us grow the show. You can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, you may want to watch us on YouTube for this one. I'm going to start sharing some uh, video elements uh, for this particular episode just so you can have an understanding of, of where we're uh, taking this entire show today um if you had paid attention to my twitter broke some news on monday uh that the fia approved andretti global's application to get an 11th f1 team onto the grid so andretti uh kind of has you know one foot in the door at the moment you know, the fia is happy with their application they took them through a two-phase process, you know, and that took quite a bit of time. Now, now all that is left for the Andretti application is to speak with F1 or FOM, and essentially what's going to be happening there is they have to have commercial discussions. But, you know, there's been there's been a lot of pushback from F1 and from the teams about having this um, 11th team come onto the grid. And so I reached out to Andretti Global on Monday and they provided a statement, which you can see here, uh, quote, Andretti Cadillac is honored that the FIA has approved Andretti Formula Racing's expression of interest for the Formula One World Championship we appreciate the FIA's rigorous, transparent, and complete evaluation process and are incredibly excited to be given the opportunity to compete in such a historic and prestigious championship. The formation of this distinctly American team is an important moment of pride for all our employees and fans we feel strongly that Andretti Cadillac's deep racing competencies and the technological advancements that come from racing will benefit our customers while heightening enthusiasm for F1 globally. We look forward to engaging with all of the stakeholders in Formula One as we continue our planning to join the grid as soon as possible. So, for those of you who are new to the story, I'll take you through what Andretti has had to had to go through to get to this point. I mean, at the end, I'll give you my take on it because I've been on this story for quite a long time. Uh, I've known Michael for a while now, since my time racing professionally and in Champ Car Atlantics and Formula Renault. And if you don't know who Michael Andretti is, uh, he is the son of Mario Andretti, so both legends and in their own right. I mean. Mario for for both his F1 and IndyCar successes and other things as well. While his son Michael, he was extremely successful in in IndyCar, kart champ car. He was a kart champion, uh, just a very very successful racing driver. Competed in F1 for McLaren, uh, that did did not go well or it didn't end well either. Um, but he's now a, now a team owner. So Michael owns which was Andretti Autosport is now being converted to Andretti Global, which has been done most recently. But Andretti Global, it fields teams in IndyCar, Indy Next, IMSA, Formula E, 
Uh, he has collaborations in Extreme, uh, the Mexico Supercopa, Australian V8 Supercars. Uh, and he's had his sights set on getting a team into Formula One for quite some time. So if we go back to 2021, Michael attempted to buy a majority stake in, in Sauber, so Alfa Romeo, the Alfa Romeo F1 team. And he would have bought into Islero Investments, who is the company that controls Sauber. Now, however, that deal, it eventually fell through at the last minute. I think he got within like 48 hours of the deal being closed. I remember I was on a call uh, with him when he had said that the, the deal didn't fall through because of money. It fell through because of control issues, not able to to run the team maybe how he would have liked so at the time, that was Andretti's best shot at getting himself an F1 team, but it was something that he wasn't willing to to really give up on. Okay, so now you got to think about that for a second, just how difficult it is to get a brand new F1 team onto the grid. You would need state-of-the-art factory Big time investors, infrastructure, crew, the best engineers that are in the business and all the staffing that comes with it. So it's a very tall order for anyone to try and accomplish. But fast forward to the Miami Grand Prix in 2022. I was on the grounds there reporting and noticed, you know, Michael was at the race. He was walking around from team to team um, with a Miami Dolphins folder with a petition inside of it. Uh, he had been spending time, you know, bouncing around from these teams. And I wasn't quite sure what exactly he was up to till a person close to the situation explained to me that he was trying to get team owners to get their signatures of support, to expand the grid, to allow a new uh, team into F1. He was petitioning everyone, basically. And he'd gotten two signatures um, on his piece of paper. One signature he did not get, however, was Total Wolves, who's been very much um, against adding a new team to the grid and, and worried that it could dilute the team's value and, and profits. And also there had been a new Concord agreement that was set in place as well, that all the teams needed to sign up, all 10 teams, they all needed to sign up for it. And in that Concord agreement, there's a section included for new teams wanting to join the grid and they had to pay an anti-dilution fee of $200 million. So to put that into context for you, the, the Seattle Kraken, well, that was well north of $600 million for an expansion fee. So F1, you know, their anti-dilution fee, you can kind of look at it as an expansion fee as well because these teams are now known as franchises. But as the sport has continued to grow in massive popularity globally and is one of the fastest growing sports in the world, you know, these teams are also their franchises, they're they're valued much, much higher. So at the time of that Concord agreement, they weren't valued as high as what they are now. So the teams want that anti-dilution fee to be bumped up much higher as well. And I can definitely I understand all of that. But at the time, so in the Miami Grand Prix, you know, I spoke with Laurent Rossi, who was the big boss at Alpine Racing. And he explained to me that he wasn't against the new team coming onto the grid, but he wanted to make sure that they added value to the series. And I think he was 
he was driving what he was driving at there at that value in terms of bringing more money and helping F1 grow in the United States. I also spoke with Zach, Zach Brown about it, and he had said something similar to what Rossi had told me. And later I found out that the two signatures that Michael was able to get were, were in fact Rossi's and Zach Brown's. So I think for Zach, he felt that, you know, Andretti Autosport, they were obviously a credible team. Um, they would also help generate interest in the American market. Now, the folks at F1, I don't think were too happy with how, you know, Michael went about this. You know, Michael going from team to team, trying to get signatures to let him bring a team in. His dad, Mario, is very vocal on Twitter about this whole process. And I think Michael is also pretty vocal about it um, in the media as well. And I'm not sure F1 CEO Stefano de Macaulay was too impressed with Andretti, the Andretti's being very vocal about it. And I, I think he, he, he would have much appreciated it if uh, he were a bit more discreet about all this going down. But however, uh, Michael just, ca- he kept going. So I spoke with him in December, uh, 2022. And I had asked him, you know, where, you know, things had stood with his, um, application process where everything, uh, was at with with all of it, uh, and this is what he had to to tell me um, in that in that regards. He said, you know, hey, they'd made good progress the last few months, and that they weren't giving up. But he also, at the same time, he was also, uh, you know, had unveiled the start date of construction for a brand new state of the art um, factory that his team was building, and uh, that has since been started and. I believe it's costing upwards of about $200 million to, to build and that'll be operational by I think 2025 is what he had told us in it, you know, inside of this massive factory that that will hold a lot of the company's racing operations. The ones that I had mentioned previously, like IndyCar, IndyNext, Formula E, et cetera, et cetera, but also part of the F1 operation at the same time. Then the following month, January uh, 2023. So the president of the FIA, Mohammed Ben Soleim, uh, he actually had put out he actually put put out a tweet, and basically inside that tweet, he was explaining that he was opening up the F or the FIA. So the expression of interest um, for teams to potential teams to get involved. Um, in Formula One, but he had really caught a lot of folks off guard by posting that tweet. It stated that he had asked, you know, the FIA to look into launching an expressions of interest process for new teams to enter into Formula One. So essentially, this was the door that Andretti needed opened, you know, but F1 still seemed a little bit resistant to, to fielding new calls for new teams on the grid. But I mean, at the end of the day, like the FIA was, was doing their job. Right. And not too much longer later. I mean, Andretti, you know, get, get a, get some information uh, from them that, Hey, they're going to enter this process too. Right. They're going to, they're going to get involved here. January 5th, I got a message. Andretti Global, General Motors, well, they're partnering up to pursue the FIA expression of interest to enter F1. So the thing that Mohamed Ben Suleim had 
posted about on on, on Twitter. Um, I mean, there's a giant FIA document. You can see it online as well uh, that shows the process that, you know, new teams coming into F1 would have to go through. There's, you have to pay for certain parts of the process uh, as well. So if the, if the team were to be accepted, the team would run under the, the Cadillac brand. Um, so on the call, so the, there was a media call that I jumped on immediately following all of this. And we spoke with both Michael and the GM president, uh, Mark Royce. And Michael explained, you know, that the plan was to, you know, have their headquarters in the States and would have a satellite factory in Europe. And the plan was to have an American driver in the car. And he wants to make sure that it is an all American outfit. And so as the months rolled along and speculation had built, I was at the, uh, I was at the British Grand Prix. Um, and the conversation on all of this was really starting to, really starting to heat up. I remember being in a team principal press conference with Total Wolf and he was being asked about new teams coming into F1 and if he had changed his outlook on that discussion. Um, and at the time, you know, he was still unchanged. He didn't know who the teams were that had applied to that expression of interest, but stressed that if the teams can contribute to F1 in a positive uh, development like the other teams have done over the years, quote, suffered over the years, is how he put part of it, uh, then FOM would have to to really take a look at it. And so I, I think, you know, a big part of what he's he's saying there is, I think, is the fact that the teams who have stuck by F1 through thick and thin um, like the the pandemic, for instance, is, you know, those were big spends for the teams. You know, they, you know, a new team would have to show that they would be willing to stick by the sport when times were tough. And I understand what Toto's trying to say there, but he also carried on to explain that, you know, there were no professional sports leagues that just creates entries for new teams as that would just dilute uh, the whole league, and that sounded like to me that you know the teams would want more money to be paid um, from a new team outside of the 200 million anti-dilution fund. So you fast forward to September, the Singapore Grand Prix. Zach Brown explained why a quality 11th F1 team would not dilute the value of the teams and F1, but if it's done properly, would add value to these teams. But the right conditions, I think, had to be put in place for it. You know, Zach's saying that the $200 million anti-dilution fee, it needed to be tripled for the next Concord Agreement, which would be put in place, like we had mentioned earlier, in 2026. So other team principals had, had said, you know, the outfit that was coming in had to be serious. And not just stick around for five years and, and then, you know, leave. And this is something that has happened in the past with other new teams that quickly came in uh, to F1, made their money, sunk their teams, and then left with more money than what they came in with. And so obviously that's tough on the sport. And so I think, you know, when we when we look at this, I understand what the team principals are saying. I understand what Formula One is saying at the same time. You know, you need to have 
teams that are going to come in. They're going to stick with F1. They're going to provide this value. They're going to pro provide a lot of help on the marketing side. They're going to help grow the sport. Um, and so, yeah, I just found that whole part of that process at the, uh, the British Grand Prix was, it was, it was pretty fascinating, um, for me to, to be a part of all that for sure. So that brings us to, to yesterday. So Monday, um, October 2nd. So when, you know, put that piece of, of news out that the FIA had approved Andretti Global's application for the 11th F1 team onto the grid. So now there were four applications that were made into that expression of interest. So three uh, were not accepted. Andretti being the only applicant that was accepted and was moved through. So the other three, so th that was High Tech Grand Prix. So th they run in Formula 2 and other series as well. Rod and Carlin um, and Lucky Sons. So FIA put the Andretti application through a very rigorous process to make sure that they were financially and technically able to compete competitively at the top of the sport, which it appears they are. It was a two-phase process, like I had mentioned. Took them around, I think, around eight months to complete this, this two-phase process. The FIA's criteria really focusing on making sure that this new entrant would bring long-term value to the sport. They had to have real racing experience, which Andretti has. They had to have technical expertise. They had to have, you know, shareholders uh, on top of that as well. And one of the things like, so I believe, you know, those shareholders for Andretti would be Mark Walter. So the CEO of, of Guggenheim Partners. So a global investment um an advisory firm. So they're worth like $300 billion in assets um, that are under management, obviously. And, and Walter also one of the you know, 500 richest persons in the world. Um, Guggenheim also owns Los Angeles Dodgers with a consortium, including Magic Johnson and Billie Jean King and others. But, you know, he also has, Andretti does, uh, Dan Towers, the founder of Group 1001, um, Gainbridge, Amongst one of the brands, Gamebridge also sponsors one of his Indy cars uh, as well. And at the same time, you know, the applicant also had to show that the team would have new facilities. So they got that new state-of-the-art factory. Engineering, he's been recruiting um, on the side. They also had to show how the team would bring positive societal impact and how they would achieve F1's goal of being net zero carbon by 2030. So... The FIA, well, satisfied. They feel that Andretti uh, Global, they meet the criteria to join the grid so that they're not going to embarrass the sport. And Andretti application now gets moved on to the commercial side of F1 called FOM, so Formula One Management, the main operating company of the sport to discuss these commercial um, uh parameters of the sport. So once the FIA had notified that Andretti was being given the green light by themselves, they had done their job. You know, it's like I said, it's, it's moved on, moved on to FOM. And now it's their, your turn to sort of deal with all of this FOM. So F1 immediately sent out a message saying, quote, we note the FIA's conclusions. We will now conduct our own assessment of the merits of the application. Now, this is where I think it's going to get 
pretty interesting. So the the teams aren't share interested in, in sharing the commercial funds. They, you know, they don't want their franchise values driven down because now these teams are are healthy, they're making money, they're franchises. These are franchises now. We actually have franchises in Formula One. This is where the sport has come to. And they're worth a lot of money. And F1, you know, they on their side, you know, F1 wants manufacturers to join the grid. Uh, you know, OEMs like, you know, Audi coming to the grid and Ford. And in the past, there was potentially for Porsche, too, that was talking about coming to the grid. I don't think F1 really wants like brand new um, teams. But Andretti did get a manufacturer on board with his team, which is at the same time a massive task in itself. And that manufacturer, like I'd mentioned, GM which would run under the Cadillac brand. So GM for them, I think, you know, essentially they've said, look, we're coming in with, with Andretti and F1. And if we, we can't, then we won't. So GM won't be building like engines for the Andretti team. I think Andretti formula racing, well, they would have to be a, a customer and buy from one of the OEMs that are on the grid, like Alpine, Ferrari, Mercedes, Audi in 2026, Honda, Ford, uh, uh, Red Ford, you know, the Ford and Red Bull powertrains division in 2026 as well. GM would most likely use this. I think, I think anyways, as a, as a branding or marketing exercise, um, Andretti wants to try and get a team on the grid for 2025, but the Concord agreement, that includes this round of anti-dilution fee of 200 million. Um, he would still be required to sign up for the 2026 Concord agreement, which when looking at the anti-dilution fund now, you know, that's most definitely going up as, as that deal comes to a conclusion at the end of the 2025 season. And so there's this interesting sort of, you know, void with this Concord agreement, this anti-dilution uh, fund when it's ending, when the new one needs to begin, and all these other teams need to sign up to this new one as well. So, I think if you know if F one says no, then I think there are you know there are some reports that suggest that it could go to EU courts. It is possible that Andretti could race in F one without a commercial agreement. I think, but you know, then would they be allowed to be shown on TV? You know, I don't think so. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to make money from the championship. They couldn't use F1 logos on promotional materials and things of that nature. Essentially, it wouldn't be a good idea for Andretti to, to do that. But it's hard to say if they will get in or they won't because we haven't seen what their application is. We don't know what's inside of it. It hasn't been made public. So we don't know everything that is involved with their side of the application process. But if it's a yes... I think that would make a lot of fans happy. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we would get more storylines to follow. Um, there's another pipeline for driver talent that normally falls by the wayside. And I think it's important to have another American team on the grid. And you've got a team that is steeped in racing tradition. So Andretti stuck by IndyCar when times were really tough. Trust me, they were really tough. But he stuck by them. Stuck by the series. He helped them get back up on their feet. So should the teams be wanting 
more money to cover a 10% loss of value over a set number of years, say five years, and that anti-dilution fund is only $200 million, do they deserve more? Yes, I do think they deserve more than that. These teams are worth more. These teams have stuck around in Formula One for a really long time, and they've paid their dues, and they've done all these different things for the sport to help grow it, to help make it as big as it is. And I think at the same time, you know, that dollar value, I think, is a lot higher than $200 million. So is there something that could get settled outside of the Concord Agreement? I mean, who knows? Uh, it is business, so you, you never know at the end of the day. But all in all, I, I would be in favor of seeing a new team get onto the grid. Um, I think it would be great for the sport, be great for F1, be great for F1 in America, be great for racing in general. At the moment, though, all of this, it lays at the hands of, of Stefano Domenicali uh, and Liberty Media. You know, the teams, they can't vote on this. You know, they really don't have a huge say. They can put forward what they think and what they believe. But to Stefano, but at the end of the day, I mean, if there is good value to be had here and Andretti meets all the criterias, then, you know, why not? Why not let them come in and, and play in the sandbox and, and help, you know, really – grow this sport but we should know more in the in the next few weeks and again it's like i was saying off the top this is a story that i've been following for a really long time now um it's been really fascinating to watch it's been impressive to see what uh what michael andretti's been able to do and put together i mean this is a huge undertaking um for himself and his company to to really put forward so it's been impressive um to see um yeah I'm interested to see where this thing goes. Thanks again, everyone, for watching and listening to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney. Give me a follow on social media at Tim Haraney. If you want more Nailing the Apex, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Please head on over to YouTube. Uh, have a watch. Tell us what you think. At the same time, go to Apple Podcasts as well. Write reviews. It really helps us grow the show. We'll be doing a uh, Qatar uh, build-up. Qatar Grand Prix on thursday uh have a special guest coming on for that one you'll want to tune into it for sure uh and then obviously max verstappen could potentially win this championship title on a saturday sprint race I'm not sure i'm not sure i'm cool with that one but like hey we'll see it's not on a sunday right i'm a big guy of the sundays it's got to be on a sunday but anyways regardless of all that thanks everyone for watching and listening and we'll talk to you later.